0: This is the movie Hall of Fame, Class of McLean, for Friday, April 16th, 2021, and there he is across the table from me, the Gruber to my McLean, baby, Saddam Hall. No, I don't like it when you describe me
1: as the lesser of the two. I mean, I guess maybe, well, Alan Rickman's not the lesser of the two. Alan
0: Rickman's great. You were equally matched for a while. I want to be McLean, though. No. I want to be McLean. There is nobody less John McLean than you. There's nobody on the planet. I think there is. His name's Nico DiGregorio. Fair enough. (laughs) You are so not John McLean, though. There's nothing John McLean about you. Maybe you aspire to be him. Ah, I don't know. There's nothing. I don't know. From the hair to the look to the you know the sex appeal. I don't know. I think to the wittiness. I think
1: I got all of that. To the
0: <laughs> well, your ability to fit in confined spaces, I would That's say. Very is very true. I've, you know, your ability to crawl through an air duct. You could not crawl through an air duct. I That's could do it. Point. No problem. That is the closest you'll ever come to being John McClane. <laughs> is when I need a guy to fit in a small space, I'm, I'm calling at him. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> somebody <laughs> oh, not much i'm good how you doing i'm good hanging in uh we're recording these back to back with last week's episode mm-hmm. you would never know the difference nope. but i decided to mention it because i uh, am bad at these things i'm, I'm a bad podcaster break the illusion yeah i love breaking breaking all sorts of illusions that's okay uh class of McLean, john McLean, <laughs> die hard that's what we're talking today five die hard movies nominated for induction into the movie hall of fame They are, of course, 1988's Die Hard, 1990's Die Hard 2, colon Die Harder, 1995's uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, 2007's Live Free or Die Hard, and 2013's A Good Day to Die Hard. I don't like
1: that one of these movies was nominated at all. Yes. But we'll get there.
0: We've been circling these waters for a while. It's sort of become a running joke how many times we've nominated Die Hard and not put it into the (laughs) Movie Hall of Fame. Yeah. We first nominated it in 1988. Uh, it lost to Akira. Mm-hmm. We then nominated it for our Christmas movies podcast. It lost to It's a Wonderful Life. And now it's here again competing against its other four uh, sequels.
1: Yeah. Literally just a means to get it in because it should be in. Right. That's all this is.
0: Well, it's that. But it's also, I I think, sort of therapeutic for you. This is going to be an exercise that will hopefully, you know, get rid of some demons. I don't know why this bothers me
1: so much it just does. And even on rewatch, I was like, yeah, no, this really bothers me. Mm. You,
0: you know? have very specific thoughts about this franchise.
1: Yeah, I guess I do. You know, it means a lot to me. It's a very important franchise. You it means know, a lot to me, too. Kind of grew up on this one, sort of changed my life. You know, that first movie, obviously. And the third one, in a way. Those very, very closely related movies for me that I watched all the time. Mm. You know, I think I saw those two before I saw any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've been watching these movies, like, for, for you know, I guess... And not since I was a little kid, but, you know, right when I was getting into like slightly more edgier films, you know, when, you know, blood and gore was like more appealing to me. And also right. when like I saw the appeal of a really uh, charming and lovable lead. Yes. And it's just like, I want more people like McClane. Right. You know, you want to be McClane. You right. Know? He's like, he's just this wonderful hero who's not Rambo, of course, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is the most trite discussion about these movies you could possibly have.
0: Sure. It really is. It, been there, done that. Yeah. And how Schwarzenegger and Stallone both turned down the role. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Funny enough, though, um, the character of John McClane comes from, you know, a, a novel yeah. know, that we talked about. So and well, I guess we'll get into that and how like the, the basis for these movies. is Nothing
0: Lasts Forever is, is the nothing. name of that novel.
1: That character was in a movie uh, a couple of years back and it starred Frank Sinatra in the role. Did you know that I did not? Frank Sinatra is essentially played the first uh, John McClane. Was he called John McClane in that? No, movie? no, because it's because the character's name has changed from the book, but it's the same
0: character from that book that uh, Die Hard is based on. And he was actually because petition- it was a book series.
1: Yeah, w- yes, I believe so. Like a recurring character, but it
0: wasn't like a Nakatomi Plaza. It wasn't like a similar story. No, it is. Eventually, it is. Basically, no. A- I'm saying the the Frank Sinatra.
1: Movie, the original, like the movie that came out. I I I don't know what that movie is. I should know. I should figure that out. But yeah, no. Essentially, it's this. It's the same character until he gets to you know what what ultimately is. Nothing lasts forever. And they were going to get Frank Sinatra to be in Die Hard, originally.
0: Uh, Frank Sinatra almost played Bruce Willis's character, John McClane in Die Hard. The beloved singer, who was seventy years old at the time, was offered the part because of the producers were contractually obligated. Uh, to Sinatra, had because because he starred in uh, the movie The Detective. Okay, there it, is, there it is. The
1: Detective is what it was called. But he turned it down for obvious reasons. Because <laughs> can you
0: imagine Frank Sinatra <laughs> yeah.
1: doing half the stuff in this
0: movie? Uh, this movie is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, apparently, it's okay. Mm. Um, yeah, Detective Joe Leland, but that's more yeah. like a hard-boiled like, crime story. Yes. Whereas this is more of a pure action movie. Yes. Yeah, uh first time I saw Die Hard, I was probably I was probably 12 or 13. Unlike you, I was not exposed to R-rated movies at a young age. Uh, I know like you were in the in the carriage like watching Alien. Basically, Um, (laughs) you know, Uh, I wasn't like that. Like, you know, my parents were kind of strict with my viewing habits when I was a kid. So I discovered R-rated movies. Yeah, around 13 or 14. That's the first time I saw Die Hard. Absolutely fell in love with it. And it was around the time that I had convinced my father to give me his credit card to pay for Netflix. Ooh. And I was actually one of the earlier people on Netflix. I wasn't, you know, getting DVDs in the nineties like some people were, but it was right when Netflix had started their streaming service. So there was a very limited selection. It was like, you know, a couple like B movies from 2003 that Sony just needed to discard somewhere and like prison break and uh. other like network shows like, you know, a very limited streaming selection but the DVD service was still robust and that looking back on it again, fourteen, fifteen, was the first time that I was making very conscious decisions about the types of movies that I wanted to watch. I think before that it was movies that my dad had introduced to me. It was back to the future. It was Indiana Jones. It was, and all movies that I love and I still love E.T. is another one, but you know, Forrest Gump, they were movies that my father had decided were good movies that he wanted to share with me. And, you know, my taste was really just starting to come into its own around 14 or 15. It's when I discovered David Fincher. It's when I discovered seven and fight club. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's when I discovered also like the, you know, late eighties, early nineties movies in the line of fire was one that I rented from Netflix that I absolutely adored. Um, and you know, Die Hard. this franchise, I would say it's the first franchise that I fell in love with on my own. Yeah. That's the same with me. It's probably, it's the one that I sought out, And I watched it by myself, and I rewatched it by myself. You know, Star Wars was probably the first one. Karate Kid, those were all franchises that I discovered with other people. But Die Hard was the first one where it's like, I'm 14, I'm 15, these are the movies that I am into, and I'm going to watch them because I want to watch them. Okay. I don't know where it starts from. It's one of them. It's maybe like the first
1: where... Because there was always like assistance, I suppose, like with Alien and Predator. I sort of was watching them on my own, but... Mm -hmm. You know, I needed to go with my parents to Blockbuster to get those movies. Right. So it's a little bit different. C- correct. Yeah. 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 Whereas this one, no, none of that. I didn't need any of that assistance whatsoever. I was, I would always like seek it out on television, and if I couldn't do that, I would try to rent them, right? However possible, myself. And yeah, I just kind of blew through them, and I would watch one, two, three, and four at that point. You know, kind of all the time. I just loved marathoning those movies. Right. Uh, eventually, it all came crashing down. It does, as most things in life. Yes. Um, but boy, like like most of this franchise, I actually, you know, really, really adore. I have some criticisms towards one movie in particular, but even on rewatching that movie, it's like, no, like all of my feelings were confirmed. I still like the movie. It's still a tremendous amount of fun. I just, I I'm confused by the reaction of that movie against another movie in the franchise, which I guess we'll get to. They haven't aged particularly poorly. I would say the, the one I'm critical of is the only one that to me has aged a little questionably. Um, but like the, honestly, honestly, and I know you're probably gonna hate me for saying this one, three and four easy
0: breezy as hell for me. Yeah, no. And, yeah, I only hate one movie on this list as well. Yeah, um, I have different thoughts than you. We might clash on a couple of these, certainly. Um, but that's just because they mean a lot to us. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It's 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 one of those weird moments where we like overlap on a specific movie or a specific <laughs> franchise. Like it, it just hit us right place, right time. Exactly. You yeah. know. It's entirely that though.
1: But I still think I would like it even I saw uh, these movies now. It's funny. I actually introduced uh, this entire franchise to my roommate in college. Mm. I'd never seen a single one of them wow. up until that point. And he fucking loved them. Yeah. Loved them. But the funny thing is he also had a similar experience with me when we get to the later entry, you know, mm. but he's a big fan of all those, you know, all those like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One through four. Yeah, he really likes them. He just kind of gets them. He's like, yeah, Die Hard. It's still an awesome thing, even in the 21st century. Oh, wait, again, I'm dancing around it, but we'll get there.
0: Yeah, no. A Good Day to Die Hard is uh, as bad as the title would imply. Yeah. What an awful title for a movie. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a certain kind of bad for me. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. It A lot of those movies, too, of the era didn't age as well, and I, I do think a lot of that is Willis. Yep, I mean, he's I just excellent in all of these movies, like, Well, except for... Well, I don't know. I, I Would you call him bad in the fifth one? Yeah. Okay. You think he's bad? I think he's kind of uh, like like shockingly bad. Okay. In a way that's very sad. I think the problems are sort of out of his control though.
1: They definitely are, but he's not helping whatsoever.
0: Right. Um he really carries you through these. I mean it's I it's it's one of those movie characters that feels like he's in on the movie that he's a part of, like he's kind of in on the joke and is constantly talking to you and walking you through it. And he's like this fascinating audience avatar in that way. I,
1: I agree with that. I do think people have a tendency to treat these movies, not nearly as seriously as they should Okay. because they're not comedies to me. A lot of people do treat them as like silly oh. things they're, to me. I don't, I've never viewed them as comedies. There's always a lot more pathos to, especially the character of John McClane than people give him credit for. Is
0: it more of a comedy than lethal weapon?
1: Uh, I, they're very close. Yeah. They're very much in that same vein. It's like, there is levity in the movie, but like, there's also, I don't know, a, a scene where he's, he's crying because he's worried he's going to lo- die and he's not going to see his wife again and stuff like that. Right. After getting glass in his foot,
0: like the, the movie, yeah, even die hard Two has one of those moments. Like when the plane blows up, <laughs> like that's actually like a great performance that he gives when the first plane blows up and he's on the ground and he's just like screaming, no, I like the moment when he's waving it down. I don't really like it when he's laying on the ground crying. Oh, you don't? Mm-hmm. Okay, no. Interesting. So, See, I, th- those are the moments I love with McLean, though. Like, it, you know, like, and I, as much as I love Die Hard three, like when he's just wisecracking as he's strapped to a literal bomb that's about to detonate, like a Scooby Doo villain. Yeah. <laughs> like, as, as great as that is, and as winky as that is, like, yeah, I, I, I kind of dig it when McLean cries. You know, I like no, that I he is a t- character that is capable of crying.
1: He's, he's, it's a, also a different character and basically every movie, you know, certainly a little more mature, at least in my opinion, I've always felt like he kind of, uh, he's not even playing John McClane in the fifth and, and or no. somewhat in the fourth one, but definitely in he's the fifth definitely one. playing him in the fourth one. That's part of the reason why I like that movie, but okay. we'll get to that. No, no. Part of my issues with that second movie come from the fact that he doesn't feel as much like McClane to me. Right. But we'll get there. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, like. Yeah, if it wasn't for Bruce Willis, like, I don't think, well, certain entries wouldn't be nearly as good as they are. But, like, I, I really, I, you know, just going back to it again, like, I just think I get a little annoyed when people call these comedies. I just don't see them that way at all, you know? Yeah, I guess I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't call them action comedies. To me, I've always, yeah, I, I, part of the reason why I've always, uh, no, I agree with that, by the way. But part of the reason why I've always loved McLean so much is not just because he's lovable, but like I said, because you feel bad for him a lot on occasion.
0: I wonder if part of that, though, is that the movie has they've they've cycled through a few sidekicks and partners over the years, mm-hmm. but at no point did they dive headfirst into buddy comedy. No, you know, no, uh, the, I guess three is the closest you get. Yes, like, so that is definitely a two hander. Like Sam Jackson is almost the main character in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, But the other ones like Reginald uh, Val Johnson is kind of a sidekick kind of his partner and there's like a lot of cool banter, but it's not lethal weapon. It's not like watch what happens when like a black guy from the West Coast (laughs) and a white guy from the East Coast have to beat the terrorists like in that second movie
1: or no the first in the first well, Uh,
0: well, both as a (laughs) matter of fact, (laughs) but yeah, Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't really dive headfirst into the hijinks of Of oil and and water trying to mix. And that's like a really sweet relationship is the thing. Yeah, it's like, right, 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 right. You know, whereas Lethal Weapon, I think, turns more into the... The silliness. Yeah, like 48 hours, same thing.
1: Yeah, no, that's precisely it. You know, there are no like, like, I shot a kid monologues. It's not quite that serious. And that's what I'm talking about. Like the movie, these movies have more of those scenes than you would think.
0: But nor do they like, like, I, I feel like if Die Hard was about two cops from New York. Yeah. And that say uh you know i don't know like like denzel washington played like his partner and they were all they were fighting terrorists in five different cities throughout every movie i'm not sure like we would be calling them dramas or thrillers or action movies like you know what i mean like i feel like those movies tend to be more rooted in like the banter yeah whereas I- this it's like he's a lone wolf sort of yeah I mean he's there's uh, a lot more desperation to his character oh words. my God Does that like, makes sense well part of the charm of
1: his character is that he's usually always like just scraping by you know yeah many instances in those first four where it's like he just barely lives. Mm. You know, but one of the reasons why I like all of those movies is that like they're quick to show that he's very very vulnerable. Right. You know, it's very easy to relate to his character in that way. Like even when the most ridiculous stuff happens, they're they're at least like okay, make him as bloody as you can make him. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like this guy get, can die. You know, sure. or, or we're at least going to give you the illusion that he can die. Yeah. And that whole idea. And uh, man, yeah, no, I you y- y- you certainly don't get that out of a lot of like. <laughs> I don't know if they even got that quite out of 48 hours. It's a very different movie, but you know, you're not I'm, I mean
0: that movie's only a comedy because of Eddie Murphy.
1: No, and I said that like it's not the movie's not funny but Eddie Murphy is funny.
0: The casting decision is what yeah, makes yeah. it Quasi comedy,
1: but I don't even. Consi- I'm not quite there with Bruce Willis. Like I said, he's just. I don't know. I don't know how to, else to describe. I mean, him. he's a funny character.
0: Like he. No, he's a funny guy. Yeah. No, the person th- is a funny guy. I wouldn't call the character funny. Like he's. But not I a, wouldn't call him a comedic character. He's more of a tragic character, especially oh, with, with what happens to it.
1: That's the that's the point. Like, certainly, he needs to be funny to combat that tragedy. Sure, that's the whole. You know, that that's the the deeper idea with the pathos the pathos of his character. Right. So.
0: Right. Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So let's just go through this then. Um, again, five movies in this series. (laughs) I don't know what they're doing about this sixth one.
1: I don't know either. There was a lot of rumors that he was going to come back. There was rumors it was going to be a prequel. Right. And
0: I think there, there's a script floating around called John McClane. Yes. That was floating around Fox before the Disney merger. And I think when Disney swallowed it up, that production was sort of fizzled out. And then, I don't know if they're like working on it as a series now or, you know, if it's going to be on Hulu, if it's going to be on Fox, like I heard that too. Yeah. I I don't know. It's kind of in development hell now. I don't like the, the
1: John McClane title either. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's, I don't know. There's something very like grim and like overly badass about that. That doesn't quite fit the character. Mm. And you know, I I always relate it to Rambo, you know, it's just not the same thing at all. Right. So,
0: yeah, I I don't know. Like it's it's kinda weird because I was going through the box office returns on these movies and they all did like really well except for that last one. That last one didn't do poorly though. I mean it made sixty seven million. Yeah. Which it's like we're we're doing backflips about Godzilla and Kong doing fifty this weekend. So yeah. um, you know, I, I guess a lot has changed even in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. But like the fourth one made one hundred and thirty-four million, made three eighty-eight worldwide. Yeah. That's like you would take that for a Marvel movie now. Oh God, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you would take that for for any like, you know, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty-four. If it did those numbers, you'd be ecstatic. People love their McLean, man. Yeah, Die Hard with Avengers, number one movie of that year, hundred million dollars really? domestically in ninety-five. Holy shit. Yeah, wow, three sixty-six worldwide. Christ. Yeah, second one hundred seventeen, two forty worldwide. So. It's, it's kind of strange. There aren't more of them. I agree. But it's just so tied to Willis. I think like it's kind of hard to do it without him.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, there's a bit of him that probably doesn't want them to happen with, without his involvement, which is strange mm. given his enthusiasm later on. But yeah, still doesn't
0: feel like he's giving
1: it his all in those no. later movie. No, no,
0: no, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Shall okay. we? uh 1988's die hard again we've talked about this twice before on the podcast but i will repeat directed by john mctiernan starring bruce willis bonnie bedelia reginald Vell johnson and alan rickman in his big screen debut based on the 1979 novel nothing lasts forever as you just mentioned nominated for best sound best film editing best sound effects and best visual effects At the Academy Awards, an NYPD officer tries to save his wife and several others taken hostage by German terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. Um, Important to note, uh, we talked about this last week, as a matter of fact, Bruce Willis at the time, kind of just a TV actor on Moonlighting with Sybil Shepard. And, uh, you know, he was not the studio's first choice. No one wanted him. Honestly. They still paid him five million dollars for
1: the role, which is insane to think about. Well he's the highest paid actor at the time. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. That's the only way they could they could make it work. And it's it's also the only way they could make it work for like marketing. That was also part of the reason they would do it because it's like, oh my God, like Bruce Willis, the highest paid actor ever. Who's this to, guy? Yeah. To, yeah. To be in a movie. On this ABC dramedy. Exactly. So the, the controversy actually helped him. But yeah, people it was a similar like Michael Keaton situation. It's mm. like the moonlighting guy is going to be in a explosive action movie. What the hell is this?
0: Right. So, right. And it works. And the rest is history, obviously, and just has this incredible 90s career. Uh, what it works in this movie that they don't carry over to the next couple? that bothers uh, you. Well, there, this is a better directed film for, sure, for sure. starters. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the names in the credits, I guess. Jan, Jan de does an, an incredible great, job. Cinematography. cinematography. Yeah.
1: Although I, I don't think these movies totally lose the edge of their cinematography until we get much later.
0: Hmm. Like every fucking
1: thing about that movie. I know. But regardless. Um, <laughs> Man, like, no, I, I just think this movie kind of has everything you would possibly want. Even the writing is just really good. Like, again, just like the introductory of of, of McClane. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I guess at the time, it's like uncharacteristic to see this guy just getting being scared on a plane. Like, that's the introduction to his character. Right. He's landing and he's scared of flying. Sure. That's your action hero. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie also has a tremendous amount of patience before mm. it gets to the chaos, and I re- and I rewatched it again, and I was like, Jesus! It, it takes a while before like anything like really happens. Yes, it does a great job at setting up who all the players are and what their relationships are towards one another. Mm. And again, you just get a great sense of his character, and it's not just. It's not just like what his personality is, but also like what his uh, emotional struggle is with his wife, which I, I really love. Right. And that is something that they really lose because each each movie tries to do something with his family – uh, some leading to greater successes than others. Mm. But this is the one that, it, it, to me, it feels the most like personal and down to earth. And they do a great job at like using those interactions with his wife to, to I, I don't know, greater advantage. I don't know. There's just something very believable about their exchanges. Well, it's simple. It, yeah. It's like, it's
0: fucking you simple. Know,
1: you are a married woman, Holly. You're married to me. Like it lines like that. Yeah. It's just like, oh, they like, none of the movies have anything like that. It's just
0: simple character work. It's simple plot. It's, mm. it's just everything. The location. It's just like a very limited location. Clear, clear. Yeah. You in the geography of the place. oh that's the big
1: biggest thing, too. I love that too. I mean that, action.
0: I mean that that's really the key. And you know, this is a series that very much is rooted in location and like rooted in the simplicity of locations. Mm-hmm. I think like the more globetrotting you do, the worse the movies get, in my opinion. Um and like this is still the best. Place to set an action movie. Yep. There's a reason why there were a million ripoffs after this. There's a reason why they did like, uh, you know, Die Hard in a tr- on a train, Die Hard yep. in a plane, yep. Die <laughs> on Hard on, a, on a, a cliff on a boat with cliffhanger, like yep. you know. Um, and so it's the simplicity of it. Another thing, Hans Gruber is a great villain, awesome, an villain. awesome villain, but. It's not like he's motivated by like, you killed my son and now I must seek revenge no. for the honor of my people. <laughs> he's a, a petty thief. Yes. He's just a fucking crook. That's what the best villains in the series usually are. He's just a crook. He yes. just wants the money. That's yes. it. Yes. And the movie, and it's a great little trick that the movie plays. They lead you to believe that he's a terrorist. And the twist is that he's just a bank robber. He's pathetic. That's the twist. I love that twist. And it's a, it, But it's such like a subtle twist because so often the twist is he's just a guy that's robbing a bank and it turns out he's like the second cousin of the other terrorist that you killed three movies ago mm-hmm. or that, you know, that he's motivated by some, like some, some, uh, century long feud or like, uh, he's, he's trying to avenge the honor of his grandfather. And the twist is always, there's more backstory. Yeah. And the twist here is no, there's no backstory. It doesn't fucking matter. He's not even a terrorist. He's just a pathetic crook. Yep. Um, And that's what's great. Later on in these movies, one of the things I, I, you know, one of the reasons why the later movies suffer is that the motivations of the villains are unclear, confusing, overwrought, and sometimes underwritten. Um, Whereas this is just very simple and all of the character dynamics work perfectly. Bruce Willis is trying to reunite with his wife. His wife, uh, you know, just wants to be a successful businesswoman and wants to get out of this damn building. Mm -hmm. Hans Gruber just wants the money in the vault. At no point are the motivations unclear or... And it's very blue-collar in that way. Yeah, sure. Sure it is. Sure it is. But you know what every character wants, and there's not enough of that in action movies, and there's certainly not enough of it in the later Die Hard movies. Mm-hmm. To a degree.
1: <laughs> Again, yeah. we'll get to there, because like, like it's just weird, though, because it, oh, this is where we're going to hit some roadblocks, because I do think a lot of the, the, the reasons this movie succeeds are, are why... The second movie suffers in a lot of ways for me as well. Okay. You know, a lot of the things we just discussed, I think are actually sorely lacking in that. I mean, segment.
0: they just make the movie again.
1: Kind of, but they, they, they make it without understanding like a lot of the elements that really worked. It's, it's has the same music. It has a similar aesthetic, but it's like the Christmas movie it is. Yeah. But the way they use McLean felt wrong to me. We'll, we'll get to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, no. We talked about this movie for a third time, though. I it's I, a perfect movie. It is. Even just like the crafting of the little things, though, like how you lay out your story. It's just very, 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 very careful. Right. I love the fact that you know the line where the guy says. You know, once, once you get to where you go and take off your socks and, and walk around the carpet barefoot. And there's no reason for that to be in the movie other than for him to step on glass later. Yeah. That's the entire reason they do that. And it makes sense in the moment. You're like, okay, that's kind of cute and amusing. And then it becomes something serious. Sure. It's not just, why is he walking around without any shoes on? You know, it's, kind of, it's, it's not lazy. Yeah. There's nothing lazy about this movie. It yeah. just
0: does the work. That's Die Hard, 1988. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's great. It's probably going to get in. Probably. Unless we like really throw a monkey wrench into these oh, things. Oh, I do have a couple vetoes. How funny would it be if we just didn't put Die Hard?
1: In <laughs> the, the, the gag continues. <laughs> Best movies with guns. Die Hard. We <laughs> just choose Die Hard 3. <laughs> Best Bruce true. Willis. We've nominated it ten <laughs> times It hasn't gotten in. <laughs> Best movie with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, die hard Two: mm-hmm. colon die harder yes from 1990 how would you rank the titles in this franchise i mean
1: this one isn't really called die harder like the title of the movie is not die hard it's just die hard Two when it comes on that's more of like the marketing thing for some reason i thought like it well maybe not when yeah you- maybe you're right maybe it was just in the, on the poster well, when you buy the movie in the box, it always says Die Harder, but when you watch the movie, it just says Die Hard 2, you know? Yeah. How do you
0: define the title of a movie? Like what the title card says, what the marketing says? When I see the movie and it says the title, I mean, I guess. Because Fast and Furious 6 gets into a similar problem because the title card for that movie says Furious 6. And it's what's it? But it's called Fast and Furious 6. Uh
1: I've always kind of said Fast and Furious 6.
0: Right, because that's what it's called in the marketing and IMDB says that, whatever. But again, it's listed Furious 6. But then Furious 7 comes out the following year. They use that title. It's very confusing for a man with OCD like myself.
1: Well, they got Fast 5 correct.
0: That's true. That's the best one. I I um, I think I go Die Hard, then Vengeance, then Live Free, then Die Hard 2, then A Good Day to Die Hard.
1: This will be a running theme with me. (laughs) title-wise <laughs> title-wise <laughs> title like the order of
0: things which you just mentioned yep so oh i just <laughs> do you agree with my title rankings? yes i do that's yes. not my quality rankings but okay uh Die Hard 2 directed by rennie harlan um who didn't really do much after this he, he did cliffhanger cliffhanger he did deep blue sea favorite of oh mine. did he do deep blue sea yeah yeah he also did the um the uh, the John Cena vehicle 12 rounds Did from he? the late 2000s. Did You ever see that movie? No. <sighs> Not good. I remember loving it. I haven't seen it in a very long time oh, though. Oh, wow. I mean, I was a child. I was a child child okay. when I saw it. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I think it's basically Die Hard with a vengeance, but it's John Cena.
1: Yeah, probably. Some
0: like, guy like calls him on the phone and like gives him 12 challenges essentially. That's uh, oh, close like, up right. a building.
1: They're still doing Die Hard movies though with like Olympus has fallen. The first movie is just it's a Die Hard movie. That's all it is.
0: For sure. Did you give up after that first one?
1: I haven't seen anything. I've seen like well I have seen it but yeah I didn't see anything else. Neither did I. I don't really remember
0: Olympus has fallen. London has fallen and um I don't know. One other one. Yeah. Olympus has fallen. (laughs) That was same year as White House Down. Remember that whole controversy? Yeah that was funny. I love when that happens. Uh, this one stars Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia, and William Sadler, based on the 1987 novel fifty eight minutes. Another running theme uh this this uh franchise often, Draws uh, from other source material yeah. and just slaps John McClane in the movie, in right in smack dab in the middle of the movie, <laughs> which I think for the most part works to its benefit. Would you agree with that? Usually, I think it's always worked as you know. Yeah, you know, I mean, the one movie not based on source material is the worst, so I think yes. that's yeah, indicative. John McClane attempts to avert disaster as rogue military operatives seize control of Dulles Air International Airport in Washington D. C. Yep. All right. Get on your soapbox about uh, this movie. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Yeah. No. I, I. I really love the location of this movie. It's one. of It's airports are dope. It's one of my favorite locations in all of these movies. Honestly. Hmm. Do you like airports? Yeah.
0: I love airports. Yeah, I do. They're terrifying at times, and it does feel like you're trapped. But I think like that's one of the cool things about this movie is it like captures that sense of like. I'm just stuck here for six hours yeah. with the worst people. Mm-hmm. And these people are literally terrorists <laughs> in this case.
1: <laughs> eh, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. And this movie's got its fair share. It's charming, you know, and Bruce Willis is still having a, a blast. And, you know, it's a fairly well-orchestrated action film for what it is.
0: Dennis Franz shows up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Frank Nero is in it. Yeah. Uh, uh, William Sadler.
0: Naked at the beginning yeah. of this, doing karate yeah. moves. That's the best! it's the most 80s shit is, it's not 80s though i know it's this 1990 is, but is, it is the most 80s shit
1: yeah this is the thing is that like the movie loses a lot of it it, it does have heart but it doesn't have the same kind of heart that that first movie has and i it, it to, to me it loses a lot of the charm of mclean as well mm. you know and just sort of the the conceit of that character you know i mean he's a character that you know uh um it, it, he finds himself in a bad situation. He doesn't really pursue it. It's just like, boom, situation is there. And in this one, he's doing that. He's more of a detective in this one. Which You I wouldn't think... say
0: that about Four?
1: No, I wouldn't. The I... FBI recruits him in Four. No, the movie starts out with that action scene and him falling into that whole thing. You know? Yeah. I... He was doing a job. He's doing a job in basically all of them. That's what happens in the third movie. So He's
0: not doing a job in the first one. No, but he's, he's doing it in the third movie. For sure. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I I think like I just, I we will get to it when we get to it, but I just feel like the idea of the FBI recruiting John McClane for international espionage. Well, so is, They're not recruiting him specifically. It's antithetical to the idea of John McClane in my opinion, yeah,
1: but him, his place in it is very small though. And so it still feels right to me. But like I said, they're just recruiting cops all over the, the state, not the state, the, uh, the, the country right. to find these hackers, They're just like local PD.
0: Go, go do this. You know, you're told to do this. Does the fact that he's a cop, make any sort of difference in the first Die Hard movie? Uh... Other than like you buy the fact that he's, he can like wield a gun. Besides that, it
1: certainly helps with his feelings towards innocent people and his like, you know, and how, how important just innocent lives are to him, mm. his relationship towards the people outside, you know, his, his entire motivation with saving the people makes sense to me as a cop. I've always liked him better when he, you can see that he's a police officer. Huh? Honestly, see, I don't feel the same way. Yeah. I've, I, he
0: needs to be a cop to me. Okay. If he's not, it's a big problem. Because in the later movies, he's literally doing police work on screen. Yes. Whereas that first one is just he's he's there and he happens to be a cop and he has like a like a, a rudimentary skill set in dealing with situations. But like it's this. an,
1: it's an underlying feeling with that character is the thing, right? It's, it's, it's not really absent. It does become absent eventually. But, um, in the, in the four, in four out of the five movies, no, it's like when he's a cop, it's, it, it's the best kind of stuff for me. Okay. And he just doesn't feel like a person in this one to me, not as much like a person anyway. He's snarky and he's a, he's a, he's kind of an asshole, but he's really goofy. And I don't like that at all. What sets off the metal detector first?
0: The shit in your brains or the... What is it? The... the the Or the lead in your ass. Lead in your ass. Or the shit in your brains. Yeah, the shit in your brains. And this is
1: the other thing. I just don't like this script it's super okay super fucking lame it's pretty joke. corny and and uh it's also extremely 90s and dated this is the thing hmm. there's a lot of like references to pagers and stun guns and oh get with the 90s john oh the
0: old lady at the beginning it's
1: really dumb yeah. and this is, this is the thing Is like like and say what you want about that fourth movie it's it it, it it's might be
0: dated eventually though eventually i guess it's not now not you have yet. it 20 years though right like you know, give it that amount of time because that's yeah. another like Jason Bourne. Look at the computer screens movie.
1: It still applies, though. It hasn't become dated yet. Like I feel like this movie, any movie that like references its own era like mm. that to the way this one does is kind of an issue for me. See, I don't mind that
0: ever. Oh, really? But I'm like the biggest Seinfeld fan in the world. So, it oh, my matter. God. No, it really doesn't like technology of the era. If you reference it, I think it's cool. That's a joke, though, in Seinfeld. It's
1: funnier. That it wasn't than, a joke. Then like, they make fun of it all the time, though. The Sponges episode is wonderful. That they were using answering machines? That was just part of the plot. I guess so. They don't draw attention to it, though, do
0: they? The answering machines? They don't talk about it. Oh, absolutely. There are whole episodes, like around like the hijinks of phone tag and like leaving a you message know, on someone's answering machine and destroying the tape before they hear it's it it's different like, when it's embedded into like the DNA of the show though like
1: you know well, but they're, not, I'm they're not drawing attention to it the same way they are in this though it's like a one off inserted stupid line it's like look how oh cool, where he's
0: like yeah look how
1: cool technology right. is now and it's like what you know I don't like, you know, that level of reverence at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, it 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 always becomes dated as far as I'm concerned. See,
0: I feel like when I when I say a movie is dated, what what usually bothers me is pacing, cinematic choices like stuff that a modern film audience is not accustomed to seeing because i am not i don't care about content oh wow like see, yeah you can be as dated as you want in terms of like technology references like cultural jokes like if you want to make like that's dated though man that's see, i don't state. like i like, really like see that I, not, don't why does I don't care i don't bother you i
1: don't know it really bothers me because i don't know the- why
0: it bothers me that's
1: very that's very weird i think it bothers
0: everybody huh no i'm sure it does and i've heard <laughs> it a lot bothering people but that's very strange man okay like like see t- i just take that like I don't know like if you make a reference to an answering machine or a pager and you're a, a, a millennial that has never heard of mm. pagers before like I put that on the millennial not on the on the movie <laughs> like that's your fault sure. for not knowing what a pager is and if you sure. want to enjoy the movie then you should look up what a pager is yeah that's fine like I'm willing to do that work maybe is what it is. Yeah.
1: It never feels like an entire scene is revolving around it, though, is the thing. Right. Like, like, there's more to a Seinfeld episode than just, you know, them, you know, doing the pager and whatnot, you know, or them doing the answering machine, you know. I mean, Seinfeld, though, I will say... The situation is
0: is funnier. Seinfeld is uniquely dated in its references to technology, though, although the humor is not dated. That's the thing. Like, the way the characters talk to... But but that's sort of what I'm telling you, is that like i'm i'm not bothered if the language of the actual like mm. uh, of the movie or the television show as long as that feels like it can be made today. I don't care what they're talking about. Real cuz as long as they're talking about it in the way that they would talk about it now.
1: Oh, cuz that's how it feels with Die Hard 2 for me. Okay. Like the the way they talk about this stuff is just so inauthentic. It's just not the way you would talk about any of this stuff too. Like mm. like it just feels like they're cramming in what's cool for the kids today or something like that. Right. It just to me the and this is the the real thing that brings this movie down is that it's super fucking lame. Mm. You know. I it, disagree very hard I, with I that. I don't I don't buy a lot of the action when when Especially, like, man, like, uh, on rewatch, I just found it, like, really stupid. You know, the action's not as exciting to me. It's, like, usually when John... It's a little McCl- too big. It's very big. Like, the, the villains are awful. The villains aren't good. Uh, they're re- they're, this is the second worst for the villains for me. Okay. In the entire series. Like, they just don't work at all. Okay. Um, and, like, yeah, man, I find John McClane to be kind of annoying in this. There's just huh. a lot of, like... like it it sounds crazy but even in that fourth movie I don't have to suspend my disbelief that much there's some over the top action but that's kind of it Mm. there's a groundedness to that he's
0: ejected from the ejector seat as the grenades blow up the plane that's the worst shot maybe in the whole franchise
1: it's super but even that like when he's when he's doing that when he's riding around on the fucking snowmobiles shooting the I don't mind that when he stabs the guy with the icicle I don't like that either though Uh, Again, it's like a Looney Tunes sketch to me it's just really silly and goofy this movie and again it took away a, a lot of that 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 grounded nature that was so important to that first movie and it's like, like I, said, I can enjoy it as like goofy action but it's you know, it's it's serviceable at best. I don't watch this one a lot. I only watched it more recently to get kind of prepped for this because I've seen all the other ones, except for the fifth one, a bunch. Mm. You know, one, three, and four, I've seen a lot. Mm. Whereas like this one, I've always been sort of uncomfortable watching. It's like, in, it's one of those movies, where it's like they'll say a line and you get embarrassed. It's like, oh, that was a really bad line mm. or that delivery was lame. And even just like you pissing in someone else's pool, <laughs> you're all out of chlorine. Oh my God. Like it's just not good. It's really bad. <laughs> and then, like, but then there's just like really strange, like, movie movie moments like where he's like this is the, the stuff they were using tonight blanks it's like dude if you shot that gun I was thinking and the that, same thing in that police that you would get fucking lit I, all, I was thinking you'd the exact be so same thing dead. what are you doing yeah, exactly I was thinking <laughs> the exact same thing and that's not a thing like McClain would do that's the thing like that didn't strike me as anything he would do it's just really over the top for that character he would make a much more like honest real world point than that right he would just be like dude they're fucking blanks. Just look at them. He wouldn't try to like scare the guy like that. It's a fellow cop. Sure. And there's just, and there's just so much of that in this movie. It really
0: irritates me. You know? Last 30 minutes kind of drags. Yeah. I, I, d- I kind of prefer the the first like hour and a half. It's a two, These are like long movies too. They're like two hours yeah. each. Yeah. Not the last one. You're right. At least it gets out. That's the one like virtue of that movie. It's honestly makes the movie a lot worse to me
1: though. Oh really? It does. Makes it significant. Cause I like the fact that these movies are two hours. Okay. Cause they're doing just enough to give you enough humanity for, you know, John McClane and some of the side characters. Okay. But it, for again though, the side characters in this movie, like Dennis I, Franz is awesome, dude.
0: I have, who's Dennis? Franz? He's the head cop of the,
1: um,
0: of the uh, airport security.
1: God, I, I just think he's, he's, it's like, Trudging through a swamp with this guy every time he comes on, I'm like, God, you're slowing this down for me, man. It's really annoying. I can't stand the guy who plays Richard Thornburg. He's back. It's like, do we really need more of this? It's, like, yeah, like I, like what was his deal in the first movie? He's again? the reporter, and he was reporting. He's like, you he like giving out too much information and tipping off the terrorists. Right, 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 right. And it's just more of that. It's like playing the same fucking beats. It's just, and it, 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 and I, I don't know. It just felt like a joke to me at that point. Mm. Um, and Bonnie Bedelia has nothing to do like she kind of, she does she has stuff to do in that first movie
0: more or less but yes not not in this one and the other issue it that, was forced like yes. it, like McClane can just save the plane without his wife having to be on it it's kind of like that line of Tenet where yeah. Elizabeth the Bickey's like mm-hmm. he's coming for everything including my son it's like
1: Jesus you <laughs> it's like be-
0: isn't like the fate of the world enough for you like do you need like your son as further motivation no exactly <laughs> exactly it's really stupid <laughs> isn't the world enough you know sa- worth saving enough
1: and And the biggest problem for me, the biggest problem is that I don't feel bad for John McClain in this. Hmm. He's just there doing his thing and he's interjecting himself into this plot. doesn't really need to be there. He doesn't kind of, he forces the invest, his own investigation. He just sees someone passing off a box and that's how it all starts hmm. and it's just very weak to me. It's like, I don't buy that he would do that. And at the end of the, I just, again, there's just no like, like, like sadness to the character. Like there is in the other movies. Hmm. And I, I was really missing that. It really helped like with my liking of the character. Cause he did start to get on my nerves a little bit in this. And that, that fight on the wing. And no, I'm <laughs> sorry, but no, I, 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 I don't like how he, def- like the plane blowing up with the fire trail. It's just like, I don't know. It's too much for me. At least he says Yippie Kaye motherfucker. But it's not my favorite Yippie Kaye motherfucker. Unlike another movie on this list, but we'll get to it. My favorite Yippie Kaye motherfucker is the fourth movie.
0: Um, excuse me? Yep. Does he. Let me check the notes. Hang on wait a minute. Oh, that's right. He doesn't say Yippie Kaye motherfucker in the fourth movie. Yes, he does. Doesn't. Yes, he does. Doesn't. It's censored. Have you seen the real version? The uncut (laughs) version? No, I watched the version that they put in the theaters. Well, you should watch the uncut version. Because generally, like, you know, when a movie is released, (laughs) I assume that that's it.
1: Did you know they shot a rated R movie? The studio said you have to turn it into BG-13. No, I'm aware. Yeah. I get
0: it. But Mm -hmm. this gets back to Snyder Cut shit, and I don't want to rehash this. We we like the Snyder Cut, don't we? (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Who cares, man? Die Hard with a Vengeance is next. 1995. <laughs> John McTiernan back in the director's chair. Yes. Which is a, 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 a really big part of why I like this movie so much. Mm-hmm. Starring Bruce Willis, Jeremy Irons, and Samuel L. Jackson. Based on the script, Simon says this was a, a movie that was bouncing around Hollywood for a while. Never got made. Uh, they considered it making Lethal Weapon 4. They decided instead to make it Die Hard 3. Um, I always just think like that's a that's a good way of making a movie like (laughs) seriously. it's like the Cloverfield thing. Yeah, it's kind of well, I mean Spike Lee just did it with defy bloods Yeah, and I I think that's like one of the greatest examples of it ever. It's a movie that's like good enough to be floating around studios for a while, but never has like that. Either they can't get a big star attached Mm. or they can't get a big director to do it or it doesn't like have like that intellectual property attached to it to make it marketable. Um, and so Spike Lee just takes it and makes it essentially a Spike Lee movie. It's a Vietnam movie that, you know, he sort of makes a, a movie about race in America and about like, you know, uh, the politics of 2020. And like, I, I just love the stuff that he adds to that movie. Um, and similarly, I like this here. Like I, it's yeah. like a pretty silly, like like you could easily see this Simon says script becoming a dirty hairy movie. Sure. Easily. Sure. Um, but putting John McClane in the middle of it just adds this extra that special sauce, you know, anyway, it becomes a completely different
1: dish at that point. Right. It, it's cause it's not the same if it's dirty Harry and it's right. It's not quite the same. If it's Jesus Christ, I don't know. Gerard Butler. Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, John McClain and a Harlem store owner are targeted by German terrorist Simon in New York city, where he plans to rob the federal reserve building.
1: Never talked about this one. Yeah. We never talked about it on the pod. This is the first time. Yeah.
0: Um, my second favorite diehard movie. Oh yeah. Mine too. This is a series about a New York cop. (laughs) However, very few of these movies take place in New York. Nope. Just the one as a matter of fact, right? That's right. Does the fourth take place in New York? Uh, it starts
1: off, I think in New Jersey and then, uh, it goes to, to Washington
0: DC. So finally a New York movie about a New York cop with like a real sense of place. Yeah. That's what I love about this movie. It's like broad daylight and there are like people on the streets. That's right. You know, it's not one of those New York action movies where they clearly had to like rope off an entire block. (laughs) Nope. You know, just shut down traffic on Fifth Avenue for a half hour or for a, a half a day and... Like it's they just allowed the streets of New York to be populated with cool, interesting characters, and they use the city. Yes, they
1: use like like you 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 can know you can get to know New York just by starting with watching <laughs> Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know they don't allow dump trucks on the FDR. The fact that that's brought yeah, up in yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. is just wonderful to me. Yeah, but I love like like what this movie manages to get away with with its action sequences. Even that opening explosion, I remember mm. just like being like, "Holy shit!" Because those are real people walking past right it, it's really intense too yeah it's it's just awesome and that i i love i love that the, the, again they take advantage of like the subway system and like in like, like we i guess that just works with new york like you just have this wonderful playground and to just be creative and do whatever you want you know right it's always been good to me
0: yeah uh you know you're you're uh where's that climax take place it's not at the um
1: well that the, the where he kills simon yeah that's in canada Oh, they shot that in Canada? Yeah, which is the weakest part of the movie. But okay. uh, uh, yeah,
0: not, not in, in New York. Okay. <laughs> well, that stings. <laughs> Did not realize that. That bothers me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That bothers me. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, this to me, part of it is Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson's chemistry. Because mm-hmm. Sam Jackson is remarkable in this. Oh, Do you yeah. know the story about Lawrence Fishburne? No. So they wrote this part. I heard Quentin Tarantino tell this story on another podcast I listened to. Um, But uh, Tarantino initially after King of New York and bad boys and everything asked Lawrence Fishburne to be in Pulp Fiction and his agents were like, you are not going to take a supporting role in a small indie movie like this. Like you hired us to make us a star to make you a star and you just don't take roles like Jules. It's not going to happen. Wow. So he says no to Pulp Fiction. They shoot Pulp Fiction with Sam Jackson. who was sort of like a lesser known actor at the time. Okay. Uh, then they write Die Hard with a Vengeance and they write the role specifically for Lawrence Fishburne. Really? They write it for him oh, and no. he's ex- so excited to do it. Oh no, but they get caught up in negotiations because he asked for too much money Damn. and so they're going back and forth going back and forth about to close the deal to get Lawrence Fishburne in this massive vehicle it's going to be this international hit Die Hard 3 with Bruce Willis the world will know who Lawrence Fishburne is right shit as they're negotiating uh it's the head of Fox at the time 20th Century Fox attends Con uh-huh. where Pulp Fiction debuts i see sees Pulp Fiction sees this kid Sam Jackson and after verbally agreeing with Lawrence Fishburne to put him in this movie Renegs and casts Sam Jackson at a much cheaper rate instead. That's Lawrence Fishburne ends up suing for violation of a verbal contract and they end up settling out of court. Good. And the rest is sort of history. Like Sam Jackson is like I think he's logged the most minutes ever in the history of cinema. Probably, yeah. I think like he's in more movies and more big franchises than anybody. And Lawrence Fishburne had like a nice career in the 90s, but he was supposed to be a much bigger star than he ended up being. Yeah, I know. You know, for a guy that's now like the seventh lead in ant-man yeah well he and got the matrix at least he got the matrix he did so. and he got the moment with the matrix definitely but he was supposed to be a bigger star than that yeah but that was supposed to be him but i i do that's think crazy. like this is an amazing performance by sam jackson here <laughs> those guys they will kill you you yeah. are about to have a very bad day <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh story he, of my life right that's it's, his line
1: it's possibly my favorite Sidekick Not really a sidekick In my opinion But sidekick That I've ever seen In a movie Mm. I just think this chemistry Is absolutely electric Mm. They're the perfect dose Of Complementary substances With just enough Oil and water To make it just The most fun banter I mean this movie Is Is it's just a sick day movie for me man yeah I, I might I, you know there there are times it's not as good as the first Die Hard but there yeah. are times where it just I sit down with this movie and just the feeling the atmosphere the setting just feels so much more comfortable to me mm. I love the way it moves Then I mean, John McTiernan's direction is it's one of his best movies yeah honestly yeah and I, I just, I just love like the, the variety of this movie. You know, I love that it doesn't, I honestly, part of the reason why I love it is that they knew how to jump around. You know, I love the enclosed location in die hard, the first die hard, but they're very smart with how they go from like a bank to the, the, the highway to, uh, I, I don't know, just a park. Well, they don't lose the sense of urgency.
0: That's no, the key. It, well, the Simon Says game is sort of what keeps it going, too. Right. You know? But it's still a movie. It still feels like it's in an enclosed location, even though it's all throughout New York City. Yes. There's a specific timetable. It's only 12 hours. Most of these movies take place within 6 to 12 hours. Um, so it still feels contained. And it still feels... Yeah, 100%. That that conceit, although it's a little silly, like is like a really good movie premise mm-hmm. just to keep like the, the pacing just... It's lightning com- quick oh yeah it's go 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 and I love 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 that about the movie right. yeah you're right It never really lets up on that so yeah. I think like the, the critics were a little I think um, yeah they weren't s- skeptical of the, just the premise because again like it's very it's just very like fifth dirty dirty hairy movie you it, know it it wasn't like completely
1: beloved when it came out to my understanding no the, the reviews were not great yeah which is weird because to me it's like so obviously like kind of a great movie
0: yeah uh
1: Jeremy Irons is really good. Oh my God. Like the second best villain. It's a twist that works. Yep. Although it's a little silly. Like it's a twist that works. It definitely, I don't think it was totally necessary, but I'm, I'm okay with it. It definitely adds like a level of importance to the story. That's, you know, I guess welcome, I suppose. Mm. And again, like McLean is pathetic in this and I feel bad for McLean, And that was in- incredibly important, especially after the last movie. Yeah. You know, he's back to having issues with Holly. So first one of the first things he ever says is, why don't you mind your own fucking business about Holly? I just think that's so great yeah you know I sort of love that he slowly you know uh, falls apart as these these movies go along in a way man like his family life is really bad though. yes it's really bad <laughs> it's horrible I mean he's like the most lovable guy but his family life just never gets any better like
0: in the fifth movie he just finds out yeah your son is like working for a Russian mobster in Moscow and he's like oh yeah the kid's got problems <sighs> It's like, do you know like how fucked up you have to be to end up working for the Russian mob in fucking Moscow? <laughs> Like, you don't just stumble into that. It's not like, oh, my parents fought a lot around the dinner table, and I'm just like the son of a cop and a businesswoman. He's part of the CIA, but this is- No, I get it. But but it's like, you don't just stumble into that line of work, though. No, but it's like, you would know if your kid is in the CIA. He can tell you he's in the CIA. There's nothing wrong with that. He can't tell you what he's doing. Sure. But like, how do you not know No, but even if he wasn't in the CIA, like, like he still understood. Oh, yeah, he's in Moscow. He's got issues, got some demons- did he know that he was in Moscow at the beginning? Yeah, well, yeah, the, the, his buddy told him, like... Well, I know, but beforehand, was he aware of the fact that... Well, he son... thought that his son was either dead or in prison. That's fucking retarded, right? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, yeah, he's in Moscow. I mean, bro, you don't start working for the Russian mob unless you know someone in the Russian mob. Yeah. you know what i like that's that's a family business yeah. you know what i'm saying like yeah. you have to kind of like you're not going to decide when you're like 35 you know i think it's time for a career change <laughs>
1: it's time to do a, it's a time to change a
0: scenery like i heard moscow's really lovely this time of year it's time to jump in it <laughs> exactly <laughs> opulence i hesitate <laughs> <has> <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, go ahead. But the guy cares. What it,
1: like in this one, even though like 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 it's not really going well with Holly, you can tell he cares, and you can tell he's like super upset about it, and you mm. just feel so bad for the guy. Mm. Even towards the end, when he has to leave the fo- leave her on on hold, and he has to call her at the very end, I'm just like, oh, McLean, you can do it, man. Right? I feel so bad for you, but you can make things right.
0: Sure. Uh
1: I just love this character.
0: I just so can't much. figure out the 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 uh, the uh, the, uh, the turmoils of love, man. No. You can defeat the terrorists, but. Not his own demons. They, hey,
1: they have it figured out in that second movie, I guess. But
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love this movie. Um, yeah, I love it too. You know, it does get silly towards the end with the bomb and everything. There, there's some questionable plot decisions,
1: yes. But I mean, just as a just as a thrill ride, like down, like like somewhat grounded action movie, as opposed to like the really big stuff. That is, even that Bruce Willis was doing at the time, mm. this is just like it, honestly, <laughs> even for this franchise, in a weird way, this felt like a breath of fresh air to me after that second movie. Hmm. You know, it just it it really did, and it, and it's just it's yeah. To me, it's it's a. Uh, I still have thoughts on that fourth movie. I love this. I love this McLean. I, I'm really dancing around this.
0: <laughs> um, uh, a couple I, fun facts for you.
1: Yeah. Before we get into the fourth one,
0: unless you had other thoughts on this. No, I mean, this movie's just a blast. If you want. <laughs> uh, this movie uh, mentions both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in lines of dialogue. Both are mentioned by name. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Predicted the 2016 election. Okay. Wait,
1: like they're going up against each other in an election? No, but they're both mentioned. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that's different from predicting protecti-
0: the election. Yes, it's a stretch, Adam, but just let me have this. Okay. You can have- I think it's notable that both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are mentioned in the movie. They were superstars at the time, though, dude. Yeah, well, in different ways, sure, but in, in very different ways. <laughs> um,. There is an alternate ending to this movie. It was filmed. I've seen the alternate. ending. You have.
1: So explain it. Basically, John meets up with Simon, not in New York, I think also in Canada, I believe. And he he's he basically gives him the decision to like kill McClane or McClane gives Simon the decision to kill him with like this rocket or something. Yeah. And it's like a Russian roulette thing. It like he does like a spin the bottle thing with this like this bazooka thing on the table. And, you know, it's one of those small ones that you throw on your backpack. Sure, yeah, your you're tiny run-of-the-mill bazooka. No, that's what they're made for. They're yeah. made to be, like, just to throw it. Yeah, just throw it in you your back. They're only, like, this big. Sure. But it's, like, one rocket or something. <laughs> and, I, he, again, he plays, like, a moral game with him at, like, a bar or something. And, ultimately, uh, uh, John ends up shooting him. But it's, like, a really bleak ending. It's Right, like, it's kind of, like, evil and,
0: like, dastardly.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it's a point where John McClane is like, sort of given up and he becomes this, like, totally broken person. He's no longer, like, quite the funny man that he was, mm. you know. Yeah, that's a little dark. It, it's a great ending. I actually think it's a much better ending than the uh, the what they ended up giving us. Really? Because yeah, I, I don't. I don't think the ending's any good. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a little underwhelming. It's not. I, mean, I don't want to say it's 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 not any good. It's just you, you, I
0: kind of watched. I'm like, that's it. Yeah, all right. hmm. I need to check that out. I mean, it definitely is. That's something. But I don't know how you make a sequel after John McClane has played Russian roulette with the villain. I
1: think it fought fa- follows into the fourth movie fine. Okay. At least with the, with the way his character is portrayed in that fourth movie.
0: Mm. All right. That's Die Hard with a Vengeance. I love it. I love it too. Next up, 2007's Live Free or Die Hard. Yep. Directed by Len Wiseman, <laughs> the auteur behind the first two Underworld movies. <laughs> Had a moment. <laughs> and uh, the remake of Total Recall. Didn't see it. <laughs> Starring Bruce Willis, Timothy Oliphant, Justin Long, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Based on a 1997 Wired article mm-hmm. called A Farewell to Arms, also borrowed, borrowed heavily from an unmade script called ww 3com yep. uh, John McClane and a young hacker joined forces to take down master cyber terrorist Thomas Gabriel in Washington DC This was around the time where like these 80s action stars wanted to reboot the franchise but they were like older and more grizzled like Rocky Balboa had just come out. Yep. Uh Clint was doing a lot of movies similar to this. Uh Indiana Jones came out the following year. Yep. Yep. Um and I am not a huge fan of this era. Uh I'm not a huge Rocky Balboa fan. I am. Um and I'm certainly not an Indiana Jones four fan. I am, and um, <laughs> yeah, this movie this movie just bothers me. Did well at the box office. Hundred and thirty four million dollars at the box office domestically. Three eighty eight worldwide was a big hit. Critics liked it. Mm-hmm. It's sleek. It's very Jason Bourne. It's bringing McLean into the modern age. Not as Jason Bourne as it could be. And I guess, again, we okay. will get to that. Okay, Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, but you like this movie and I'm a little baffled by why you like it so much. I understand why you would think it's okay. I don't know like, why you feel so strongly about <laughs> this one being better than number two. Because I do think it's a coin flip. Oh, really? Yeah. What do you mean a coin flip? <laughs> I think you can go either way. And I don't think like it's egregious to say one or the other. I, 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 I think it was on
1: rewatch cause I was, I watched both back to back just out of curiosity and it was just so obvious to me. Like, cause everything about this movie is better. Every single thing about the movie is Be more specific. You. I mean, I think it's a more compelling John McClane. Huh. Uh, I think the action's a lot better. I think the way they use his character at this point in, in his life is pretty smart. I love that. It's an, an old man John McClane but they don't really draw as much attention to that. This is the difference between this one and something like Rocky Balboa is that the entire conceit of the movie is sort of revolving around his age, which mm-hmm. is why you get that ridiculous simulator fight that they do. Right. You know, my least favorite thing about that movie even though I like that one. Yeah. But like you f- don't think about his his age in in free or Die Hard ever. Not my opinion. I never did. And, and right. Yeah. Not not as much as in Part 5. No. And I remember watching it when I first saw I saw the theatrical version, and I thought I was supposed to hate it, right? Mm. And I start watching it, and I get about an hour and a half in the movie. And I'm just like, this is where it gets bad? Hmm. I had so many question marks because the fans were telling me, don't like this movie. It sucks, Adam. And I was like, what? Like, like the, the, I don't know. It's got a crappy scene with a highway falling down. Is that the best you got? I mean, I don't know. It feels more like a Die Hard than that second movie. See, I could not disagree with you more on that.
0: Like, I, Nico, I, I,
1: I, I have to be totally honest with you. I think you're wrong. Okay. I think you're wrong. No, you do? Yes. No, but what? like- What? It's one of those- What? <laughs> I've, you think I'm wrong about something? Yes. I think you're very, no very way. wrong. About this. <laughs> no freaking way. I don't I don't understand the criticisms. And if I'm being totally honest, I think a lot of like the fan reaction stems entirely from the PG-13 thing. A lot of it does. I think when people criticize this movie, they have that stuck in their heads and they tell themselves, okay, I'm gonna be wired to hate everything in this movie now without actually judging it critically. Correct. Without taking keeping in mind that it's actually a pretty white knuckled action movie that feels very diehard. I do,
0: I do think it abandons some of those central conceits though, that are important. Like I think that the, the, the restricted timetable I think is important.
1: I think the sense of paranoia is what makes up for that though. And that's what I love so much about that.
0: I think, like, the, the idea of it being a movie about techno-terrorists is appropriate. Like, I, and I understand, like, I'm not, like, too precious about, like, the for, the diehard yeah. formula. Like, I'm not saying, like, we need to, like, maintain, like, the, the uh, intent of the source material or anything, but... I don't know, like a Die Hard movie is like a movie that takes place in a limited location with sort of, a limited yeah. scope and a very simple plot that's easy to understand. It and falls, villains that are just villains for the sake of being villains. Like that's that's well, part of it. I,
1: I mean, kind Whereas of. Whereas this,
0: I can't tell you the fucking plot of this movie. Oh, it's very easy for me, dude. Yeah? Yeah. There's like a hacker that like, it's like a, a, a it's like that chick that's like, she's like a hacker that gets killed halfway through the movie. Well, that's
1: uh, Timothy Oliphant's uh, love interest. Okay. And like just in
0: long like he's a has, guy that has he, developed a code
1: he to- does he does a uh, 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 federal security is basically what he does he writes code for them so that the people can't hack into their shit which is why this guy's so important to them because yeah. they're basically testing what he's capable of um, Timothy Oliphant's character is basically someone who has said the government's infrastructure is flawed and you can fuck around with it very easily and he was ostracized because of it. So, for doing that, he basically uh, hacked into NORAD with some launch codes and said like, yeah, look what I just did with a fucking laptop. Uh And he got into even more trouble and because of that he sort of fell off the grid and he's basically enacting revenge against the country because he's a madman and in the process also stealing everyone's money right yes
0: (laughs) yeah um like not really a diehard premise and i guess that's fine i don't know like that's where i
1: disagree i was like what are you talking about
0: yes it is a that sounds like a diehard premise to you yes (laughs) it sounds like exactly what a diehard premise and explain how mclean gets recruited into this again i haven't seen this
1: movie in a couple of years I'll, i'll be honest with you There have been like security hackers that have been dropping off the face of the earth. Like their houses have been blowing up and he wanted to check on them because there's been some questionable cyber fuckery that they've been doing that kind of relates to these attacks that have been going on. Mm. So like go find this kid like well, well, to, to start over they basically say, okay, go to local law enforcement to find these other hacker people who can maybe give us answers as to why these attacks are happening. Right. Mm. And you know, you know, police everywhere. It doesn't matter. So basically his chief is like, yeah, I just got a call from these higher ups. They want you to go like talk to this kid. And he's like, just send someone else to do it. It's like, no, no, you're closest. Go do it, man. Mm. And John McClane being who he is, is like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. So he just stumbles into something really big and dangerous with
0: Matt (laughs) Farrell. Cool. Got it. Um, Doesn't again, Sound like a diehard premise to me. Like I I, again, Uh, like it's Bruce McLean trapped in a place. It's Bruce (laughs) McLean. It's Bruce McLean. It's (laughs) It's John McLean trapped in a place, and you know, again, I think the movie kind of loses a sense of urgency. Like I, there, I'm not saying like a movie like this can't exist and doesn't have a place in in you know the the action thrillers of the. Late two thousands. Like there were a bunch of them and they're all decent. A lot of them are I think decent. It's a like really good action movie, too. That's the other thing. I, I'm not a big fan though of just like plopping a character in and just calling it a diehard movie all of a sudden That's because John McClane doing, is here. Though.
1: That's what all the movies are. <laughs> Every single one of them. That's what the second one is. That's what the it's third one is. It's not really it's not, it's certainly not what the second one is. Yes, it is. It's not. Sure it is. It started from something else. They plopped him in. It wasn't gonna be a diehard movie. Yeah, but it feels like a diehard movie though. That one doesn't have the sense of urgency, though. That's my point, though. Like, well, you can
0: call it boring. That's fine. That's like if you think if you think it's boring, that's that's cool. But I'm just saying, occasionally boring. Yeah, and this one's not that. The like, limited scope is part of it, though. The I, second this thing becomes an international suppose, thriller, like I fall off. I've never been an is-
1: had an issue with that. Like this is my point was always like if you don't get any bigger than this, I'm okay with you getting this big because. The way that, like I said, the way they do it feels very constricted and paranoid. Like th- it feels like these characters have nowhere to hide mm. and that feels very diehard to me. They're just sort of scraping by and going at, I mean, basically doing anything to avoid like these, uh, uh, uh techno terrorists and whatnot. But again, it feels, uh, like diehard in the sense that it's just John McClane is still very much the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. He didn't need, he, he very literally was like, I don't want to do this, get someone else to do it. And he's forced. You know, he's just like, okay, I guess I'll do it. And it just turns out to be the perfectly wrong job, you know? Hmm. And when he's fighting, this is the other thing. Again, part of, part of what makes a diehard film is like how John McClane acts in the action sequences. And there's nothing like, like, I don't know. There's a lot of sleekness to the action itself, but John McClane in that is like literally falling on the floor and getting scraped and just, just sticking the gun out from a corner and shooting and hoping he hits someone. There's nothing like clean about it. And even in that scene, he loses all of his bullets, like the very first one. And he's worried he's going to die when he says like, get ready to run. Hmm. And again, he only gets away from just really, really great luck. And that's kind of a staple of these movies. So
0: sure. Sure. I'm with you. Um, It does feel like a task, a little too tall for John McClane though. And I just, I, I don't know. Like I, but I think let gets, James Bond do it. <laughs> let I, let no, Jason Bourne do it. But
1: again, this is, we're going to get to that. Cause it's the, I, I have these criticisms for the next movie for exactly those reasons. But like this movie basically says it, it, it's to me, it gets ahead of that criticism hmm. in the conversation that, uh, Matt Farrell has with John McClane in the car. And it's probably the best version of that, that talk that he's ever had. He sort of danced around it a little bit. And I think it was the the second movie i'm trying to remember i guess it's that you're the wrong you're the wrong man in the wrong place at the wrong time and he says story of my life which is like a fun way of of talking about it but he
0: never like actually discusses it until that fourth movie and he doesn't well, all the movies have a throwaway line like that though. Die they, Hard 2 says the same thing. It's yeah, like the no, same thing happened to the same guy twice. Yeah, exactly. Another ex-
1: basement. Another, yeah. Exactly. But at this point in his life, it makes sense for him to be a little more somber and just tired about it. And I, I just love, 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 love when Matt's like, Well, why are you still doing this? And he's like, Because there's nobody else to do it. Believe me, if there was someone else to do it, I let them do it, but there's not, so we're doing it. Yeah. And it's just such a beautiful, like, like more mature John McClane moment. And I've always like hung on that scene in particular. Hmm. And I love it when Matt Friel says, Well, that that's what make you makes you that guy, and I'm like, fuck. He's just such. He's just he's the man. Mm. He's just such like like the everyman hero. It's in moments like that. I I don't know. To me, it's like like it's one of my favorite John McClane's, honestly. And I know a lot of people like have have always struggled with that, but like I love this version of the character. I really do. Um, uh,
0: I don't know. I love him all.
1: I I just like it a lot more. He's a much more interesting character in this than he is in that second movie. A little slow on the uptake. I guess that's the point. I I guess when people say like, again, I think they're just making up excuses. Bruce Willis is tired. I'm like, he's tired in that fifth movie. It's very obvious. But in this one, his character is just miserable. Mm. He's like, he's like every possible thing that could have gone wrong with him has gone wrong with him. And they solidify that in the beginning with, the with Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, hmm. and he is still McLean in that moment where he pulls the dude out of the car. And he's like, "Get out of the car, motherfucker! No means no." Yeah, I just love that. And she, and even even when she says John, he's like, "What? Oh, don't call me that. I hate it when you call me that." Yeah, just stuff like that. And then when she walks away without giving him the time of day, and he just has to sit in his car, being like, "What the fuck am I doing? I'm such a sh- I'm such a shitty father." Mm. And I know, like, he carries that level of pathos throughout the entire movie. Well, there's a lot of that in part
0: five. In fairness, (laughs) not handled very well. Lots of stuff about being a bad dad. Oh, they get to that, don't they?
1: (laughs) But they handle it in such a quieter and and more clever way in this one. Mm. You know, where it's just like embedded in him, and you can really feel it.
0: So you like the Yippee Kaye motherfucker at the end of this? Like you like him shooting through the hole in his shoulder? Like it's actually,
1: I think it might be my favorite Yippee Kaye motherfucker. Yeah. Wow. I really do think it.
0: Yeah, I I find that like. Whole scene to be like very weirdly staged and like the way that that's
1: done. I find it tense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I actually like that finale a lot more than the Die Hard 3 finale. Okay. Honestly. Die Hard 3 is a much better movie, but that one, like, I honestly feared for McLean's life in that one, hmm. especially because he gets this shit kicked out of him. First, hmm. I mean, he gets shot and he's like knocked on the ground for half the scene. Right. Until he just, it, again, just improvise. He just panics and says, I guess this will work. Fuck it. And it just feels like such a McLean moment to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, huh? And even after that, like he doesn't have a gun and he's just aren't he's he's helpless. And then the guy points the gun at him. The only reason he lives in that is because Matt Farrell saves him. And I'm like, yes, I'm 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 cool with this. Now again, you get to the highway scene, and this is where everyone has their big. Uh, th- this is what's like everyone points. at It's like this is why it's a bad movie, Adam. Right? right? This is why it sucks. And I'm like. Yeah, I'll give you
0: the. I mean, you can't really complain about like the ending of Die Hard 2 being a little over the yes. top and then still, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exa- and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like,
1: oh, so that scene where they flood the, the, the dam and he's like surfing on a truck is not. <laughs> <laughs> kind of st- okay all right whatever like i i understand like the look of the highway i don't like it when the highway is like crumbling around him and there's the jet flying between the pillars like that's where it's a little bit too much for me but i'm actually one of those guys that doesn't mind it when he jumps from it hmm. i
0: don't mind it at all a lot of jumping there's a lot of jumping. john mcclain does a lot of jumping <laughs> in these later installments he's fit <laughs> <laughs> excellent shape bruce willis let me make it in in this movie too yeah yeah really good guy is still in excellent shape and he gets again
1: but he gets the shit kicked out of him though i love it to death where he like where he does actually kill the helicopter with the plane and then like matt goes over to see him he's like oh don't touch me don't touch me Mm. it's because he can't get up because he's so hurt Mm. like i don't i really don't think they lose like the the heart of what makes this character tick Mm. so i don't
0: know yeah um I, I, I really should have rewatched it for this. I didn't get a chance to, and I apologize for that because um, I had other stuff going on. But um, yeah, I, I remember being thoroughly underwhelmed. At the time, I think the first time I watched these movies, it was clearly one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. That's how I ranked them.
1: Oh, um, down? Yeah. Really? Was, yeah, oh, I thought they
0: got progressively worse. Wow. And I think over the years, my opinion has shifted a little bit. Um, but I was definitely the most underwhelmed by this just because it, you know... I didn't really have much of an interest in this character in a modern context. That's right. It, it loses some of that eighties, nineties charm. I, I I think the time which it
1: came out to, that doesn't help because yeah. I, because I even think like, like I've learned to really like those older gentleman movies, but I think at the time it's like, Oh, it's stick. It's right. just the gimmick. Now look at the old men back in their old shoes. Sure. Sure. Beating a dead horse. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, I'm, Listen, you love it. Have I said my piece? Good have, for you. <laughs> yeah, you have. Okay. You have.
1: <laughs> also, I, yeah, again, I, I really like the action in, the, in this movie. I think it's actually a lot of fun, particularly the Maggie Q fight in the elevator. Oh, so good. So good.
0: All right. I'm going to clear the runway now. Okay. <laughs> for 2013's A Good Day to Die Hard, directed by John Moore, who made some classics of the late 2000s, including The Omen and Max Payne. <laughs>
1: don't mind behind enemy lines i guess it's eh.
0: starring bruce willis (laughs) jai courtney and sebastian coke explain the jai courtney thing to me will you i can't what was that about it was a thing at what glitch in the matrix happened where like that guy became a movie star for like two years what the fuck dude he's he's in the new suicide squad so he's in the old suicide squad isn't he Yeah. yeah Why? Why? Why did we insist on making Jai Courtney a thing? He's Guy McMahon. <laughs> Goodness gracious, that guy's not good. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, this is the first movie in the franchise to come from an original screenplay. Mm-hmm. John McClane travels to Russia to help out his seemingly wayward son, Jack, only to discover that Jack's a CIA operative working undercover, causing the father and son to team up against underworld forces. What if John McClane was a bad dad? Really, what it's just a was... movie about fatherhood, Adam,
1: you know? Yeah. It's yeah. just a movie about learning to be a dad. It'd, it'd be nice if I didn't agree with his kids in this
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to mention something before I let you go off.
1: Oh, God. Okay.
0: So um, 2013, this movie came out. This was, you know, right in the... You know, I was graduating high school that year. I never ended up seeing it. I think the the year it came out, had it come out a year earlier, it still would have been in my wheelhouse, but it was just as I was maturing out of it, I think. Okay. Uh, and the, the bad reviews didn't help. Um, so, yeah, I think I was in college at the time. And uh, initially, when they, were, uh, when they were in production, pre-production for this movie, the working title was Die Hard 24-7. Do you remember this news? No. It's called Die Hard 24-7. And there was speculation in the year 2010, I'll, and it was reported by Ain't It Cool News, but it was never confirmed by the studio. That Die Hard 24-7 was to be a crossover between the Die Hard franchise and the 24 franchise. And this was going to be Bruce Willis and Jack Bauer together on screen. And it was going to launch this 24 movie series because 24 had just been canceled by Fox. Oh, wow. What a trick. And Kiefer Sutherland was going to do... I remember this being a huge thing. There was going to be a whole 24 movie series, and this was going to be how it was launched. Now, again, this was just conjecture, just rumored, was never confirmed by the studio, but it was reported on, and it was a big thing. You can imagine... 15 year old nico at the time 16 year old nico at the time hearing about the potential die hard 24 crossover (laughs) and how i just immediately came i think it might have been (laughs) i think it might have been my first ejaculation hearing this news you can just imagine it does sound pretty dope never ended up happening, and i'm still waiting on the 24 movie they've done two 24 sequel series Mm -hmm. since then but uh yeah Anyway, I'm I'm just mad at this movie for not being Die Hard 24-7. Well, there is that. So there's that. There is so that's that. that's criticism number one. This movie is not a die. crossover between Jack Bauer and John McClane. Uh, all right. Have
1: at it. Oh, my God, man. Storied history with me. Uh, important film for worse. Very much for worse. It changed my life. Movie honestly changed my life. I, you know, a lot at the time, you know, I... Cause this is about the point, you know, I, I, had been into film pretty, pretty, you know, heavily at this point, but man, I, I, don't know if I'd ever felt like when people talk about like the, the, the prequel series and their level of disappointment mm. with that stuff and just like, I mean, yeah, I don't love the prequels, but I was never like thoroughly disappointed when I saw them, you know, cause I saw them at such a young age. They were just like, Ooh, cool. Like space stuff movies.
0: Yeah. By the time I was aware of star Wars, the prequels were already a thing.
1: It had like fizzled out for me. Right. You know? Um, I never like. It wasn't like you know. I had grown up with something, and here's the new movie coming out, and what's it gonna be like? And
0: I had to rewatch it for this because I haven't seen it since I, you know, think that fateful day in yeah. 2013. Yeah. It, there's only a six year gap though in between this and the other one, yeah. as opposed to the 12 year gap between Die Hard 3 and Die Hard 4. So, you know, the oh, fourth wow. one was a success, so they were like ramping it up again. Okay. You know. So I, I don't think there was any expectation of this one being bad, considering that the fourth one was pretty good. They were hoping for a winner. Yeah.
1: Um, to this day, I mean, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It is. Yeah. It's my least favorite movie of all time. Wow. It holds that place. I have never been so offended by a movie in my entire life and just getting every conceivable thing about this movie. Well, this franchise wrong. Mm. And it's just a shame, man. It just like, even again, when like Matt Stone and Trey Parker described Indiana Jones 4 as a rape, (laughs) I see where they're coming from. I didn't fully agree with them. But like, man, Mm. John McClane is not here. Yeah. He's not here. He's not present. This story absolutely does not resemble Die Hard in any way, shape or form. Mm. They even talk about in this movie how we have no stake in this story anymore. We can just leave, can't we? Right nah, I guess we don't have to leave. Let's just go be,
0: you know, Rambos and shoot Yeah, everyone. like they literally say time to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have preferred if they just packed it up and left. Uh, yeah, me
1: too. Yeah. Me too. This is one of the most boring. So boring. Just like, like disgusting, like ugliest. I mean, it's just trying to be Jason Bourne, but like failing. I think it's kind of trying to be taken. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Which, well, taken is kind of trying to be. Jason Bourne though sure. isn't it so.
0: Listen, I love Taken, but Taken has done a lot of bad things for the movie industry and this, sure. and this is like one of the symptoms here. Like it's, the quick cutting, like just the the it's such a dark movie. It's, yeah. You can't see anything. Like again, that's what's so great about Die Hard 3 is that mm. you can see shit. Yeah. It's during the day, it's brightly lit, like and it's fun and it, it's confident a, too. Yeah, yeah, it's confident whereas this one it just, yeah, it always feels like they're going for obfuscation, obfuscation, you know, like they're trying to, uh, you know, disorient and confuse and it's so fucking dark. Like that plane ride that he takes at the beginning when he's on his way to Russia, mm. that's that's straight out of take it. That's the same thing as Liam Neeson on the private jet, just playing the phone call with his daughter over and over again. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, just so much of this is just aping the worst of Hollywood just aping the worst of like late 2000s action cinema. It's like the laziest film I've
1: ever seen in that way. It's so lazy. So fucking lazy. Mm. I love like, like first of all, I mean the, the, the the orchestration of the action is lazy because like it doesn't make any sense and Mm. it's hard to follow and it's like, let's shake it to make it look crazier than it is. Mm. But like, there's just no rhyme or reason to half of what happens. Like there's that scene where their main like camp or their, their little hotel that they're fortifying in gets raided by the bad guys. And I don't know how John McClane knew there was a machine gun in that canister there. Yeah. But apparently there was. Yeah. And apparently it was just ready to go. Right. For him to kill these people. Yeah. Only for him to end with saying, I'm on fucking vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and the script is, whoa, is yeah. the screenplay really bad, it's man. It's just about
0: parents and their kids, man. Oh, boy. It's just about daddy issues. And People
1: were so excited for this, too, by the way, because it's R-rated. Right. And uh, <laughs> I hold Chris Stuckman's uh, opinion on this. Um, he made the comment that um, uh, aside from like a few like like bloody headshots, I think the fourth one's more violent than this one. It's not that R-rated. It really isn't. Huh. The fourth one, like the, the, the unrated one for sure is more violent. But yeah. even the theatrical cut, I was like, you know, like, when people get hit in that movie, it hurts. Right. When people like like when fucking Bruce throws Maggie Q at the at the wall and he rips her hair off, it's mm. like ooh, like that's white knuckled stuff. Right. You know, or when they 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 fall down the elevator and it's just like this crunchy feel and it feels like every like bones are breaking. It's mm. it's awesome. And John McClane actually gets hurt Mm.
0: in that movie, whereas this one he's jumping out of a skyscraper, not realizing that there's scaffolding underneath. Right? Yeah. Like, (laughs) do they ever establish, like, you know? (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't like jump out of this 20 story building. I, I thought the same thing. Like, why did you just do that? How fortunate that-, <laughs> yeah, it's so that,
1: convenient. that there's
0: a, yeah, there's like a, a platform outside, but,
1: but the way they film it, they don't even show them like slowing down. They fall down that shoe ch- they're just in free fall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw this great video of like how many times these characters would die in a movie. Right. And you got this like, like omniscient voice of a woman saying like multiple lacerations, right. multiple head injuries, hemorrhaging. John McClane is dead. Yeah. And they just go like, John McClane is dead. John McClane is dead. It's just over and over and over again. Right. And they just walk away with nothing. Right there's that opening like chase where he flips the car like 15 times and he just gets right out. Like it's nothing. He yeah. doesn't have a single scratch on him. Yeah, It's like moments like that that just make me go like, what happened to die hard. Right. I remember seeing an interview too with, um, John Moore and he starts the interview with like, you can't kill John McClane. Mm-hmm. He just can't be stopped. And I'm like, no, no. Mm. It's like, okay, yes. He's not be- that right. B- because of, business in movies. We're going to keep him alive, but you have to keep the illusion that right. he can be killed. Right. That's the most important He's thing. He's not
0: the Terminator. No. John Wick is no. the Terminator. yes. He's not. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Precisely right. Yeah, um, man, there's just lots of jumping out of buildings, man. Lots <laughs> of jumping out of windows. <laughs> like, just, that is their go-to move, him jump and, out you out know, window. John McClane Jr. and Sr. It's just, we're just going to jump. I just hope for the best. Hope that something outside is going to catch us.
1: Yeah, let's jump out of this Window and Chernobyl and somehow not die.
0: Of There's radiation. a swimming pool on the outside. Yeah, it's um, it's a really bad movie. It's, it's like it's like it's uh, incomparably bad. Yes.
1: Yeah. And it's just a it, I, I, like this movie hurts to talk about because I'm talking about it in the same vein of that as that original movie, mm. but like it's like whoa, you it's like I mean there are many. Okay, put, put it this way. This feels like. Um, watching Ghosts of Mars and being the biggest <laughs> John Carpenter fan, it's okay. that it's that kind of bad where it's like you can't believe it sunk this
0: low. Sure, um, yeah, and that's I mean just every decision. I mean the stuff with the with the uh, the Russian guy and his daughter. Oh no, that villain! Oh my goodness! Can you explain the plot to me? That by the way, so there's like a Russian guy that has like a chip that like is gonna. <laughs> do shit <laughs> it's going to destroy the world or something like some bad guys want this chip why do they want the chip because they're bad guys <laughs> and it helps them do bad chip and so the guys like in prison and then jai courtney um somehow breaks him out of prison through an elaborate like uh, multi-year sting operation i guess yeah and uh, so they finally break him out and oh this chip like the u.s government wants this chip Right. Like he's like kind of betrayed Russia. It's not the chip. It's the file. Where's the file? It's the file. Oh my there God. There it is. Good. So he's got this file and they're <laughs> tracking him down. But really this Russian guy turns out to be the bad guy all along and he wants the chip for his own use. Um, So he like ends up getting pretend kidnapped by his daughter only for his daughter to be totally in on it the whole time. And so there's like a triple cross. And then there's a quadruple cross. Right right so um Um, yeah yeah. but the point is yes that this guy's bad dad he worked too much oh yes it's worked too much as it always is it's about family there's literally a fucking scene it's like (laughs) mclean and the russian are like talking about yeah like i really worked a lot too as a and this guy is like a russian like criminal he's like, like a russian master criminal especially on rewatch like this is like a <laughs> bonding with a cop from jersey about oh yeah you know we really just put too many hours in at the office should have been home with the kids it's like why
1: are you tr- even trying this movie i don't S- need this Stop bullshitting i don't need me. this yes. i don't need this conversation oh god the fact that they even attempt it oh it was driving me nuts it's hilarious like, dude you haven't earned any of this shit. Oh God. I Dude, hate The it. scene
0: where Jai Courtney, they're having that conversation and Jai Courtney's like on the other side of the, the truck, just like listening in to have like his father really does care. It's awful. It's so bad. It's really, bad. it's just a movie about family though, man. Oh my God. It's all about
1: family. And then we get to this. This is the saddest part, man. Do you like John McClane in this movie? Because I think he No, I think he's on autopilot. I think he's on autopilot, but even what he is asked to do, I think is like morally reprehensible because he must have killed a bunch of people while driving over their fucking cars. Oh that yeah, that scene. was tough. And then just punching the guy in the street. Here's the fucking difference though, man. Like, Like in this movie, you get to a scene where he steals the guy's car, punches him in the face. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, fuck you. I don't understand a word you're saying." And in the fourth movie, when there's that big tunnel crash and every and a few people are dying, he gets out of the car. The first thing he does is get back against the wall, dude or or ma'am or whatever. Or when the first car accident happens at the green lights, mm. he goes right up to a woman who's who's like injured in the car, and he's like, "You okay? It's, a, it's yeah, it be haunts all right." Him, yeah, it's the a, collateral damage haunts him. It's yeah. like it's like all right, it's gonna be all right. Just call nine one one. Right. And he's constantly doing that. Or he's like, kid, I'm a cop.
0: I know you're lying. It's like, Mm.
1: yes, yes, there it is. Right. Is there any of that
0: in this movie? No, there's none. He's just James Bond. Yes. Yeah. But like a really lame-ass James Bond that's not as charming.
1: Always traffic. (laughs) Always traffic. What a fucking piece of shit scene. This movie bothers me so much.
0: (laughs) Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today.
1: (laughs) God, it
0: sucks.
1: You let me sing. You let me sing. You would have loved that guy. Low key. You would have loved that guy.
0: Oh my God. The greatest <laughs> cab in the world. The greatest <laughs> cab driver in the world. <laughs> You don't understand. Like, I talk an obscene amount to like Uber drivers and oh, cab I'm drivers. Sure. A, a lot. Like, they're some of my best friends. I've admitted things to cab drivers and Uber drivers that I would not admit to my best friends. I have
1: only done that once in my life, and it was to a cab driver in Dublin. Uh huh. Best guy yet. It's I've like ever therapeutic.
0: Ever. I love it. Just the coolest motherfucker I've
1: ever met in my life. Oh my God.
0: But then I'll get into like Ubers with like my friends, and I'll just like chat it up with the, the guy in the front, and they'll be like, <laughs> why are you talking to him? So, like, <laughs> It's like they don't have to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like what the guy sits in the front of a car all day. It's like he doesn't have any friends. Yeah, Yeah. gotta keep him company. I agree. I agree. Oh, it's the best. I I fucking love cabbies, dude. They (laughs) might be my like, yeah, my favorite type of people are cab drivers. They are very interesting, though. You know, I don't know what that line of work is like. Oh, the shit that they've seen. The amount of like dead bodies thrown in their
1: trunk and like you know. Oh, this this guy in Dublin was talking about how it's like oh my god every other day it's just these 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 like. 18 year olds to like 20 year olds jumping in my cabin fucking in the back. Yeah. And I got to clean it up. It's just like, guys, don't worry. I made the seats nice and good for you. It's all right. Don't worry. It's, it's like, and I'm just doing this to get my daughter in college. I'm like, right. you're the man, man. Right. I don't think he said it in that accent though, did he? That's no, that's, that's an Irish accent. I was oh, just okay. doing, you didn't
0: hear it. Didn't, didn't yeah. pick up on the nuances yeah. of that. Yeah, clearly the dialect. thing. <laughs> Uh yeah man at the end of the day it was just fun running around with you kid it was just fun running around with you in Chernobyl because John McClane <laughs> belongs in fucking Chernobyl it was <laughs> a pretty good day <laughs> It was a
1: good day to die hard.
0: The movie ends on a freeze frame. I know. Like how bad? Like I it's know. like, you're not actually going to do this. And they end on a freeze frame with it's, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Jai Courtney. It's a slow motion scene where they're all finally together.
1: That music. What are we doing here? Even the music, like Marco Beltrami is like a really good composer. Mm. And he like, he does, he references the original movies a lot in that fourth movie. He uses the theme a lot. Mm. But this is just like, Like, I don't know what the hell this was. It's just nothing. It's like everything about.
0: It just sucks, man. (laughs) Uh, It does. Not a good movie. Would not recommend it. And I would uh, prefer if they just stayed away from this franchise for a little while. How
1: do you make the how do you how do you make the antithesis of Die Hard? How do you mess up everything? They messed up everything. Everything is wrong in this. (laughs) Everything is so bad. This movie hurts, man. Jai Courtney. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Well, they're just driving in the car. I hate the wisecracking. Oh, you want me to kiss your boo-boo? Fuck you, McLean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How's that? (laughs) (sighs) All right. Good day to Die Hard. Welcome to the movie. Well done. Well done. We (laughs) love you. We love you, man. Uh, So we're, we're putting Die Hard in. Finally. Does the joke end now? (laughs) Unless you want to keep this ruse
1: going. (laughs) What else would we put in?
0: I am all in, you know, on the bit, man. Die Hard with a Vengeance. I'll do anything for the bit. (laughs) I don't... I will do anything for the bit. You know me. There are many ways we can probably get it back. It is kind of a
1: funny bit. (laughs) I'll let you have this if you want. Of course I want Die Hard in, but I'll let you have I'll let you live with this one. You're going to let me put Die Hard 3 in? Uh, It's... Hey, I... There are a thousand ways we can get Die Hard back in, which will make it
0: even funnier. I just don't know how much more we have to say about Die Hard. That,
1: that, yeah, that, that, I was. Like, how
0: many more times do we have to nominate it, and we have to come up with something unique to say about it every time? I was kind of thinking that when we were
1: just talking about it. It's like, I've kind of said my piece with that movie, you know. Up to you. (laughs) I love bits, you know me. I do love bits. (laughs) I I real I do honestly believe
0: there are other ways we can talk about the first Die Hard. We've said enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so many movies that we ignore because there are not enough slots every week and like mm. we probably shouldn't take another movie slot when we talk about Die Hard another time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's, let's do it. Let's put 1988's Die Hard into the Movie Hall of Fame. What do you say? I say okay. Good. <clears throat> That'll do it. Class of McLean. He's finally in. He's finally in. Yeah. Oh, Brucey! All right. Next week, Adam, believe it or not, the Oscars are here. Mm.
1: I have to do something, don't I?
0: You do. Uh, we're going to correct the record on the Oscars. Okay. We're going to correct the record next week in our Oscar preview edition of the movie hall of fame. We will be assembling our own list of Oscar nominees and winners. Um, and hopefully do a better job than the Academy. Although I thought the Academy did an okay job this year. I have some thoughts. So okay. you're going to have a slate. I'm going to have a slate. We're going to talk about it. It'll be sort of a de facto year in review podcast. All right. Um, But also an Oscar preview. And it'll be a, a fun little exercise, I think.
1: Yeah. All right. I'm cool with that.
0: Okay. That should be fun. Cool. You
1: know, especially since I'm probably not going to watch the Oscars.
0: Yeah. I'm not excited for them at all. Yeah. But like Steven Soderbergh's producing it, my guy. Okay. We'll see what he does. All right. All right. See what else he's Soderberg. producing. He's it. producing it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, they they gave him the keys. I, I like. I do think like that's interesting. It is interesting. It's interesting. Like they should do that more. They should just like give filmmakers because the thing about the Oscars is that it's generally TV people mm-hmm. that include far too many montages. Yes. But like, I'd like to see a creative voice in there, just being like, "This is the type of award show I'd like to watch." Have they ever done that before? Um. I don't know. I don't know who else has. Uh, I know Scott Rudin for years. He's a producer, but um, has been the the sort of, I think he's the president of the Academy. So he, he's he been a producer at the Oscars. Bruce Valanche used to be like the main writer. Do you know Bruce Valanche? No. Yeah. He's like this old like sitcom writer. Oh. Um, yeah. I don't know if anybody like Soderbergh has ever been given control of it, but it'll be interesting. We'll see. Okay. And th- that is an interesting choice. Yeah. All right. So, uh,
1: do I have to say the catchphrase? Uh,
0: I would pick another line. Yeah, I, I don't know another line.
1: What else is there?
0: You better think of one really quick. I'm about to hit this button. You've been doing very little prep on the on the. You literally have one job every week, and that is to come up with quotes for the end of the show, and you always forget to do it. Hmm. So better think it up there, big boy. <laughs> I got yeah, five seconds until. Next time. Holly.